You know, today, um, I, had, I had planned earlier this week uh, to kind of go back to our series of teachings that we've been doing through the book of Philippians. And as a matter of fact, on Friday, when they asked me, so what's your text for Sunday morning? I said, oh, we're going to move on and just go to Philippians 3, verses 1 through 10, and gave them a message title. But in the back of my mind, I just sort of had this thought that, you know, perhaps the Lord would want to do something else. So I just try to remain open. I want to, you know, my job uh, as, a, as a preacher and a teacher of God's word is, of course, to simply open God's word and tell you what it says. Uh, but also my job is to try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and know that there are times when, you know, he might have a specific word. And so that happened yesterday as I was out uh, doing a morning run down at the beach and I was praying as I was running and and uh, thinking, you know, is, is it right to go back to Philippians? And I really felt like the Lord put on my heart that we needed to continue to um, encourage you, um, God's people, uh, during this time of crisis with, with a more specific word. And so, you know, as I was jogging along there and I was praying and and on my right-hand side is the Pacific Ocean. And, you know, it was a beautiful, calm morning. And it was a very clear morning. The island of Catalina, which is off the Southern California coast, uh, was just so crisp and clear. And there were a few clouds in the sky. And then to my left, there were the, uh, the mountains, uh, snow-capped mountains. And, and as I saw that, I just thought, wow, Lord, you are you are Lord, you are in charge. God, you created these things. And, and right then, I just had in my mind um, that statement from the passage that we just read together, uh, your heavenly father knows what you need. And, and I really sense from the Lord, that would be the word that God uh, would want to bring to us today. So um, we're gonna pick up our Philippian study eventually here. Uh, but today we're going to take this text that we read together, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, and we're just going to walk through that together. Now, as we consider the current emotional climate, there is still a lot of fear in the air. And of course, there's still a lot of fear about the virus itself because um, nobody knows exactly uh, where this is going to go and, and when it's going to end or how it's going to end. And, and that's one fear that many are still living with. But then there, there's the fear uh, that comes from the potential ramifications of the virus. And, and there's fear surrounding the economy. And, you know, what, what's going to happen now that some people, I know people, actually family members who have been uh, already laid off or, or let go from their job. Um, there are others who are uh, thinking about the future and realizing we're going to have to scale back. So they're, they're letting people know that um, they might not have a job in the future. Of course, many businesses have uh, been shut down. And so the, the prospect and, and the forecast, when you even think of things economically, uh, is is quite bleak, really. I read an article and it was entitled Leading Beyond the Blizzard, uh, e why every organization is now a startup. And in that article, the author said this, uh, due to the complex interconnected nature of our society and economy, 
the majority of businesses and nonprofits are effectively out of business as of today. Uh, in that, the underlying assumptions that sustain their organizations are no longer true. Wow, I read that and I thought, man, that is, that's frightening right there. But of course, uh, this is the, the opinion of these writers. Whether the statement is true or not, the fact remains that these are uncertain times and the temptation to worry, anxiety, and fear is at a heightened level to say the least. And so I believe that the Lord wants us to know that regardless of these things, they're real things, and we still do not know uh, how it's all going to unfold or, uh, you know, there's, there's no end in sight at this point, although that's all real and that's all true. And we don't want to diminish uh, from the seriousness of this, uh, the ultimate truth is that uh, no one knows the future except God and the God who knows the future, the God who knows all things, says to his children not to worry, not to be filled with fear and anxiety. Why? Because you have a heavenly father who knows what you need. And so I want to, as I said a moment ago, I want to take the passage that we read together, Matthew chapter six, and I want to just walk us through it today and just get the encouragement that I believe the Lord wants to bring to us through this passage. This, this is such a wonderful passage. This has always been one of my favorite passages, and I think the reason for that is because God has spoken to me personally so many times through it. Uh, God has ministered to me on so many occasions when I've been uh, filled with worry, fear, anxiety. This word has come back and brought such comfort to me. And I, and I have to say that even yesterday after I had that thought in my mind that I shared a moment ago on my run, when I came home and I was able to open my Bible and just sit there alone in my office and read through the passage, once again, I was so encouraged because these are God's word to us in these very challenging times. This is a, a, an unparalleled time for our generation, nothing in our generation. Of course, previous generations have had similar kinds of uh, crises, but our generation, this is really, um, as we hear, unprecedented. Somebody said, can we find another word? Uh, unparalleled is another word. Um, these are unparalleled times in history, but it's for times like this that God's word uh, has been given to us and how thankful we are to have the word of God. So I want to start as we go back and we look at our passage here. I want to just look at um, the word, the specific word to those who are tempted toward worry or perhaps are worrying right now. And verse 25 says this. Uh, and remember, Jesus is speaking, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But he says, therefore, I say to you. Now, just when, whenever you have a therefore, it's always referring back to things he's previously been saying. Uh, interestingly, right before this, he's been saying, you cannot serve God and money. 
and uh, basically says you're going to either love and serve the one and uh, deny the other. And, and so then he, uh, you know, it's interesting that he puts it in this context of, of economics. And then he goes on and says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, wear, and, and also included is uh, shelter. So food, clothing, uh, shelter, these are the things Jesus says here, don't worry about these things. I'm saying to you, do not worry about your life. Jesus said that uh, not just to the audience that was there listening that day. This comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, thousands of people were there listening to the words of Jesus. And, and obviously it was very relevant for them, but it's spoken to us as well. And it's relevant, especially for us today. So do not worry about your life. And then he says this, he says, look at the birds of the air. And he goes on and he says, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. And then he asks this question, are you not of more value than they? And then he says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So these are the words of Jesus. So he says, don't worry. And then he says this. He says, look at the birds. And the idea here is observe them. Now, we all see birds. Uh, birds are amazing. We took a walk yesterday uh, in a beautiful area that's uh, kind of a bit of a wilderness area. And because it's right on the coast, a lot of times we see pelicans uh, soaring along. Uh, and we see a lot of other birds. Yesterday there was actually a, a sort of a buzzard that uh, was there gliding over us. But when Jesus said, look at the birds, he didn't mean just glance over and see a bird. He meant observe them. And then he goes on to tell us, now birds neither sow nor reap. Birds do not uh, plant anything. Uh, they do not harvest at any, a certain time of the year as <coughs> excuse me, we humans do. And uh, they don't gather, they don't store up. Um, but your heavenly father feeds them. Your heavenly father takes care of them. And so, you know, even at a time like this, um, you know, we need to be more observant. And when, when we see uh, the birds, when we see the squirrels, when we see the various animals that we, you know, see when we're uh, out and about maybe in certain different places, uh, we need to remember this is what Jesus is saying. Remember that your, your heavenly father takes care of them. And then he moves from the birds to talk about the flowers 
of the field. And of course, we've all seen beautiful flowers. Um, you know, sometimes here in Southern California, there are different places, and especially right now, uh, we've had a lot of rain, and so um, everything is green. A friend of mine in Scotland, where it's always very green, he sent me an Instagram uh, today, and he said, man, things look lush in California. Uh, have you guys had a lot of rain? And well, as a matter of fact, we have had quite a bit of rain. But um, my point is, so as you're driving along some of the highways, you'll see that the hillsides are orange sometimes, sometimes they're red, and they're these beautiful little flowers. I don't know if they're poppies, I don't know exactly what they are, but, um, and you know, so you see the, the orange, you see the red, uh, they're, you know, interwoven these patterns on the hillsides, and that's beautiful in and of itself, but if you pull over your car, as uh, some people were doing last year, and you get out and you start to look at the the details and the intricacies of this beautiful little flower. You think, wow, this is so amazing. It's like there's no work of art that any human being has ever produced uh, that even can match this. And that's what Jesus is saying. And so when he says, um, consider the flowers, he's saying, think about this. And then he gives an illustration. He says, Solomon. Now, Solomon was the great king of Israel. Uh, he was the son of David. He was the wealthiest and wisest man of his generation. And his, uh, his wealth and uh, his, his palace and his throne, these things were, they were well known for their glory, their splendor, their beauty. And, and Solomon, of course, being this uh, wealthiest man in the world would have arrayed himself in such a way. Jesus says that even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed uh, nearly as beautifully as are the flowers. And then again, the point, if God takes care of these things, if he watches over the birds and the animals, you know, sometimes because we live in a world that's been so impacted by naturalism and we hear about mother nature and so forth, we fail to realize that all of this creation around us, God not only created it, he sustains it. He keeps it going. He's actively involved in all of this. And so when we see how the birds are taken care of, when we see how the flowers are so beautiful, uh, Jesus says, we need to remember that it's our heavenly father who is the one who is uh, watching over all of those things. And so he calls us to consider and then he tells us basically that it's, it's our father. That's the emphasis. It's our father who's taking care of them. So he's not even their father He's their creator, but he's taking care of them. He's our father. And that's the emphasis that Jesus has for us. Um, just yesterday, I posted a picture of that beautiful scenery that I saw there when I was running along the coast yesterday morning. And um, a friend of mine commented on my Instagram post and he commented with the, the lyrics to a hymn. Now, some of you older uh, viewers today, you would uh, perhaps remember this hymn, This Is My Father's World, 
Maybe some of you younger ones won't remember it. But listen to the words when he, when he posted that. I thought, oh, that's such a perfect, um, it's, it's a perfect word in the context of what we're thinking and talking about today. But here are the lyrics to that, that hymn. This is my father's world and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the beauty of the spheres. This is my father's world, the birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their maker's praise. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas. His hand, the wonders wrought. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. And listen, as we are in this time where things are wrong, things are broken, there's uh, a huge um, danger before all of us in so many ways. But let's not forget that God is the ruler that God is in charge. And this is, this is the special message for the people of God. Of course, not everybody uh, would, would be able to identify as the people of God. But these are, the, these are the blessings that the people of God have, that we have this kind of assurance that our heavenly father who takes care of nature, he's also gonna take care of us. Now, second point I want us to just think for a moment about the one who's speaking these words. Because, you know, when somebody tells us not to worry or be afraid, uh, even on a human level, I know for myself, uh, if it's somebody that has credibility, if it's somebody that I think, you know, knows what they're talking about and they're able to uh, deal with the issue, then, uh, of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at ease. If it's somebody who doesn't really know what they're talking about and think, well, okay, yeah, it's easy for you to say, but why should I trust your word? You know, right now with this uh, situation, we're having 24-7 news broadcasting about what's happening around the world with the virus and so forth. And you have various people commenting and you have uh, experts, you have some medical experts that uh, have, you know, been in the field and they understand uh, I read a tremendous article uh, uh, interview with uh, Francis Collins this week. He's the head of the National Institute of Health. Uh, he also happens to be a strong believer in Christ. And so, you know, when I read his article, I thought, okay, this guy, he speaks with knowledge and he speaks with authority. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna heed what he says. And so you, you get the point. So... As we listen to these words, the person who said these words is completely credible. And he is the one that uh, we can absolutely trust. Who was that person? Well, that person was none other than Jesus himself. So these are the words of Jesus. I say to you, these are Jesus's words. He's the one who's saying these things. So let's just remember who uh, who Jesus is. Uh, some of you obviously know who Jesus is, but perhaps you've tuned in today and you're not really sure. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about him. Jesus is the one who calmed the storm and the sea. There's a story in the gospels where they're out there on the Sea of Galilee 
And the Sea of Galilee is a body of water in the Middle East in Israel. It's eight miles wide. It's 13 miles long. And because of the situation, it's the second lowest body of water on the earth. Because of that situation, it can become uh, a very dangerous place. And so a storm comes down on the sea. Jesus is there in a boat with these seasoned fishermen. They think they're going to die. Jesus stands up and he says to the storm, peace be still. And the storm, the wind, everything stops and the sea calms. This is the one who said, I say to you, don't worry about your life. But he's also the one who fed thousands of people. Thousands of people with just five small loaves of bread, these little barley loaves, and two fish. And he fed thousands of people. Think about that. We're talking about the economy. We're talking about uh, food shortages. Of course, anybody that's been out shopping, we don't have a food shortage, but you would think that we did because of the way people are out buying up everything. But this is the first time in my lifetime I've ever walked into a market. I know other people have in different contexts and different nations. Uh, walked into a market and seen empty shelves. Well, this is the first time in my life I've ever seen that. But it's important to remember that Jesus, who said uh, not to worry about our lives, he's the one who took these, these uh, five small loaves and these two fish, and he fed thousands of people with them. And as we just go on thinking about the different things Jesus did, he's the one who cleansed uh, the lepers uh, he's the one who healed the sick. He's the one who raised the dead. Uh, he's the one who turned water into wine. These are miraculous things. These are things that no, nobody can do these things, but he did them. How, how could he do them? Well, he could do them because he is God. And there are two passages of scripture I want to read to you that remind us of who he is. One is found in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 18 and this is what it says. I'm reading from the uh, Christian Standard Bible. It says concerning Christ he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's holding everything together. And then it says this, it says, and he is also the head of the body, the church. So the one who everything was created by and for and who is sustaining and holding everything together. The, all the planets stay in their orbit because he commands them to do so. Uh, the, the earth turns the way it does and we have the sunrises and the sunsets. All of this is because he commands it to be so and he is the head of the body, the church. You see, we are the church. We're the people of God. He's the head. The head is responsible for the welfare of the body. And so that is such an encouraging word. But one more passage that's similar is found in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to read it from the New International Version. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through 
who also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. There it is, a reminder once again. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. So listen, when Jesus says not to worry, God is saying not to worry. This is what the creator and sustainer of all things is saying to you who are the people of God, the body of Christ, the head of the church is speaking to the church today. And he is saying to us that we are not to worry or to take ancient thought, anxious thought about our lives, but we are to heed his word and remember that He's in control and he's committed to the welfare of his people. And so the overarching message here in the verses in Matthew, the overarching message is number one, you have a heavenly father. See, Jesus is doing a contrast here because he says at one point, you remember, he says, um, he says, don't, don't be like the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles is just another, it's, it's a way of referring to the, to the nations outside of Israel who were the people of God, but it's, it's more or less a synonym for the unbeliever. Don't be like the unbeliever. What, it, what are the unbelievers like in this case? The unbelievers are panicking. The unbelievers are fearful. The unbelievers are full of anxiety. And understandably, but Jesus says, you don't be like them. Why? Because you have a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father who knows what you need. And so here the Lord is reminding us. And again, looking back at nature, he says, he says you know, um, you, speaking again to us as people, he's in comparing us to the birds and the flowers and things, he says, you're of so much more value than they are. So if God takes care of those things and you're of so much greater value than they are, then you can have confidence that he is going to take care of you as well. So we are not to spend our time fretting and worrying about things that we have no control over. That's the unbelievers do that. But it's not to be the case with the people of God. We are, according to Peter in his first letter, chapter five, verse seven, we are to cast our cares on him, knowing that he cares for us. You know, let me just say a word about things that we have no control over. So there are things we have no control over. Now we do have control over our behavior. We do have control over our uh, movement. And so as we um, have been given uh, directions by our civic leaders and so forth, um, you know, to stay in, to quarantine, to uh, social distance and all that, that's stuff we can do. And that's stuff that we are uh, supposed to do. That's stuff we should do as believers. This is uh, Romans 13, uh, Paul talks about God puts government in place for the welfare of people. And I think we can all safely say that the government is right now uh, seeking the welfare of, uh, 
of the people. And I'm thankful for the direction and instruction from our governor here in California and from the federal authorities and things that are coming down. So, okay, so we have a certain amount of control over some of those things and we need to be responsible uh, in regard to the virus. When it comes to economics, we're talking about the stress and the fear and the worry about the economy. These are things that we don't have control over necessarily. And anything we might have a little bit of control over, of course, we need to be responsible and, and do what we can do. But we have to realize that there's a certain point where things are out of our hands. And I, I had this come to me uh, yesterday in a powerful way because like anybody else, uh, I have a lot of responsibility and I began to feel the pressure of, wow, how, how, do, we, you know, how do we navigate this? And um, I feel the pressure of being the pastor of a church and, and many uh, people who are part of our congregation that, that we don't have the ability to be together and, and to minister the way that we would hope to. That, that is a burden. Uh, and then we have a large ministry. So we have a ministry that is global and that, you know, the economy comes into the picture there. And so anyway, as I was just kind of coming under the burden of all of this, it was a moment where the Lord really encouraged me. And it was very simple. He just said to me, uh, Brian, it's not your church. It's my church. You didn't build it. I built it. And you're not responsible to sustain it. That's my responsibility. So just trust me. And that's my own moment of encouragement from the Lord. But I want you to take that same thing and I want you to apply it in your situation. Because even though it might not be on the same scale, Obviously, you have the same kinds of things that you are concerned about. But whether it's small, whether it's just a local situation, or whether it's something much larger than that, none of that matters. The Lord is in control of all of those things, and he wants us to cast those cares upon him. So Jesus says, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be filled with worry, anxiety, with fear, but rather, now this is what we are to do, but rather seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. The all of these things are the things that he's talking about that we need, food, clothing, shelter, etc. He promises those things will be added to you. So, so don't focus on that, but rather focus on the kingdom of God. And I would say that this is a moment in time where God is calling the church to refocus. A few weeks ago, we preached a message on um, the prioritizing of the gospel. And I think it's safe to say that the church in America, maybe even broader into the West itself, I think the church has become uh, slack in seeking the Lord. You know, prosperity in many ways is the enemy of faith. Uh, we think, oh, I want to prosper. I want to be successful and that's going to be great. And that's what we strive for. And we often say, God, if you could just prosper me, I could serve you so much better. But you know, history really, uh, it, it's against that, the, the story of history. Because quite often when prosperity comes, when, when prosperity increases, idols increase as well. And I think that this is a time where even in the church, there have been many idols that have crept in. 
And the comfort that has come as a result of prosperity has caused us to be somewhat lackadaisical spiritually. And this is a moment where these words, Matthew 6, 33, famous passage, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I think this is a moment where God is pressing this home to all of us. What does that mean, to seek first the kingdom of God? Uh, well, it doesn't mean go to church because you can't come to church because uh, we're not gathering. Um, but it's a heart issue. It's a matter of saying, you know, my, my priorities haven't been right. God hasn't been the passion of my life. I haven't been living for the Lord like I maybe used to live for him or maybe I know I should be living for him. Now's the time. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek him. Confess your sins to him. Uh, open up his word and let him begin to uh, instruct you once again. Yield your life to him. That's what Jesus is talking about. So do these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and then you can rest because these things God is going to take care of. Now, as we close today, um, as I look at this situation with this pandemic, I see two things happening right now. And once again, we have no idea the duration of this. We have no idea at this point how desperate things are going to become, uh, but we're seeing an exponential increase. Uh, I received a note from a friend today from Italy. Um, I wrote him last night and just said, hey, we're praying for you. And he said, please pray for us. 800 people died today. And that's, that is, well, those are just uh, astounding numbers uh, died of the virus. And so, again, we don't know. What, what's happening with this, though? Two things that I see. Number one, I see that unbelievers are suddenly shaken up and fearful and uh, wondering about what's happening and asking questions. So I was talking to my uh, son-in-law the other day, and he was telling me about a situation that he had where he has a friend that he has literally been sharing the gospel with for the past 20 plus years. And this person just has had zero interest, you know, politely listens to him and then just dismisses it and goes about his way. Very successful, very wealthy uh, person. And uh, all of a sudden, this person is, is just right there. Uh, Mike, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Am I going to die? Uh, what, what's happening? Is this Armageddon? Is this the end of the world? Uh, wh what about my business? It looks like I might lose my business. So all of this is going on. And of course, this is an opportunity. So obviously, my son-in-law is going to do what he's always done. And he just took him right back to the gospel, just began to share the gospel with him again. So this is something that's happening. And we as believers need to be aware that uh, people are fearful. And now they're starting to think about things that they normally don't think about when they're prosperous and comfortable and, and all of that. And I said to my son-in-law after the end of the conversation, I said, wow, think of how many people that one person represents. Here's one person who spoke to you, but how many hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people are thinking the same thing right now. So, so this is what's happening. God's shaking things up and, and people are, are rethinking. Secondly, I think this is having an impact on the church. Um, and I've talked to a number of pastors already who are telling me about people that either um, haven't been faithful or consistent uh, at church uh, people who you, you never quite know where they're at spiritually, 
they seem to not really have their priorities in the right place. All of a sudden, these people are longing for the day that they can come back to church, even though they might not have been for a long time. And they're also talking about the importance of prayer. And they're talking about uh, really beginning to seek the Lord. So the whole point that I'm making here is God is using this pandemic. Um, and remember, the world, uh, the world is not just this thing that's independent. It's these, us human beings. We're just here doing our own thing. Oh, no, this is all connected back to the one who made us. And, and he allows things at times to happen because our souls are, are in, invisible, the invisible part of us. Uh, this, is, this goes on eternally. And our souls are the primary uh, priority with God. So if sometimes God has to allow uh, suffering on the physical level to turn things around spiritually, he will do that. And perhaps this is a time when uh, this is happening. But remember, the antidote to fear and anxiety is faith. That's the antidote. It's faith. It's trusting. It's believing these words. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Your heavenly father knows what you need. And, and listen, this is where uh, I want to emphasize the personal nature of this message and these words of Jesus. This is very personal. God is, uh, just as a father, is an intimate figure in a person's life. You know, Jesus, when he spoke of, of his father in heaven, he used the Aramaic term Abba. And Abba is an intimate term. It would be like, uh, you know, children referring to their, their father as daddy or as papa. And Jesus is teaching us that we have a heavenly father. And a heavenly father is near. A heavenly father is concerned. A heavenly father is someone who is, is longing to be deeply involved in our lives. And so let's remember, this isn't a detached thing that just because our father is in heaven, uh, he's far away and he doesn't know what's going on. No, in heaven, the, the picture there is that he's transcendent over everything. He rules over everything, but he's still our father. It's like your earthly father. If your earthly father just ruled everything, um, he's still your father, right? But, but he is in charge of everything. That's the picture that Jesus is painting. So this is a personal message. This is to the people of God because it's only those who have put their faith and trust in Christ who can say, God is my heavenly father. You see, by nature, we are born into um, a place of, sin and rebellion against God. And so we have to be born again in order to become the children of God. So you see, the, the masses of humanity are created by God, but not necessarily the children of God because it's through Jesus Christ that we become the children of God. And, and let me quote to you from John's gospel, chapter one. It says concerning Jesus, in verse 10, it says that he was in the world and the world was made by him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own people, uh, but his own people did not receive him, the Jewish people. But as many as would receive him, to them, he would give the power, the right, the authority to become the children of God. And so that is how we become the children of God 
through receiving Christ. And then as we are the children of God, we have this confidence that Jesus is speaking to us about here, this confidence that we have a heavenly father who knows what we need. So we can trust him as we observe the, the birds and the creatures, as we think about the flowers and the beauty of nature and knowing that, that our father is the one who takes care of those things. And so as we close this morning, uh, for you that are tuning in, you that are listening, if you're a believer today, um, I just want to encourage you, trust the Lord. Uh, he's your heavenly father. And he's going to take care of you and use this time wisely. Use this time. Seek first the kingdom of God and don't let it just be for a week or two or six weeks, but let this be now the rest of your life, seeking the Lord, putting first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And if today you can't say with absolute confidence, I am a child of God, well, that can change right now. You can become a child of God. God wants everyone to be uh, his children. It's not like God says, well, I'm just going to have a few children and then I'm going to leave the rest of you as orphans. God wants all people to become his children, but we have to make that decision and we have to, by faith, receive Christ. And as we do, we become the children of God. So today, if you can't say I'm a child of God with certainty, but you want to have that certainty, um, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And it's a prayer to receive Christ. As many as received him, he gives the power to become the children of God. And in receiving Christ, you're saying that I've been wrong. Jesus is right. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And Lord, I am surrendering my life to you, the rightful owner of my life because you made me. And so if you want to do that today, just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. Lord, I have broken your laws over and over again. And I'm sorry for having done that. I thank you that you are a great savior. And I ask you now to forgive my sins and to save me and to make me a child of God and help me, Lord, from this day forward to seek you first in your kingdom and your righteousness. And help me to follow you now all the days of my life. And Father, I pray for anyone that said that prayer with me just now, that you would seal them by the Holy Spirit, that they would know that they know that they know that they are now a child of God and that they would find peace and rest and deliverance from fear and worry and anxiety because they now know that they have a heavenly father who knows what they need. So bless each and every one, I pray in the name of Jesus, amen.